fellow Americans. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is free. Every man, woman, and child had a right to a future of freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tagline Podcast brought to you by Tag Strategies. This is a podcast about pop culture, politics, possibility, potential, what we think and what's coming up. I am one of your co-hosts, Aaron Perini, joined as always by Christian McMullen. Christian, how are you? Doing good. College football is back this hey, weekend. Hey, came prepared, friends. That's something, uh, yeah. Week zero is always a bunch of wacky matchups, but, you know. I mean, UConn. Ugh, I can't. Yeah. I am a diehard UConn fan. I'm a UConn alum. I can't watch the football team this season. Basketball school, but it's fine. We were football school. We had football. Yeah. We had football back in 2010. Made a BCS Bowl back when the BCS was a thing versus the college football national championship they have now. The playoff system. Um, we used to be, we used to have first round draft picks. So uh, yeah, a long time ago. We beat to... Notre Dame at Notre Dame in overtime. We were nationally ranked. Yeah. We were a football school. But and now yeah. we just lost to Utah State. Yeah. So. Things change. I mean, Utah State. Nervous been, season. They've had a couple good years. You know, like I said, we all wacky. And UConn's had a number of not as good ones. Yeah. Looking at you, Paul Pasqualoni. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of legendarily bad uh coaches out of UConn, but yeah, Paul Pasqualoni. We'll see. We'll see. He's like the JV team of coaches. Yeah. There's been a few yeah. I mean, listen, Bob Diaco was there too, and it wasn't like he was <sighs> yeah, that wasn't good either. barnstorming <laughs> victories for us, anyways. Well, I guess we can start up in the East Coast. Um uh recently, Governor Hochul of New York has told Republicans to pack their bags and leave the state quote, jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong. Charlie Chris has told Ron DeSantis supporters. I don't want your vote. And, uh, Joe Biden has called Republicans semi-fascist. So real trifecta of idiocy here and messaging from Democrats. Uh, I'm not sure how they think that alienating voters and insulting them is somehow a winning messaging strategy, but they seem to keep doing it over and over and over again, where they think that if they bash Republicans, like for Charlie Chris, it doesn't make any sense because if you're poo-pooing DeSantis supporters, he had the majority uh, of voters. So you're, you're like, you're losing. And if you're Kathy Hochul, people are already leaving New York for Florida. I mean, obviously Christian, you and I are both native New Yorkers both native Western New Yorkers. I can't tell you how many Republicans and Democrats I know have left the state to move to Florida because the state's overtaxed, overregulated, and it's an unbearable place to live. It's more dangerous now. And Hochul thinks that it's like, it's almost like, don't threaten me with a good time. I don't want your shitty winters and your, and your poor policing policies and your failing schools and your high taxes for absolutely nothing. Yep. Like, don't throw me with a good time. I will go down to Florida. Yeah. No, Kathy Ogle is messing around and she's about to find out. I mean, last year, uh, New York was one of the top three states that people left. Uh, Florida was the number one state that people moved to. Uh, Florida, Florida, Texas, and California. Yeah, it's like, um, so, what's his name? Gavin Newsom. When he's like trying to make an ad saying like, if you want to leave Florida, come to California. Like, buddy, actually, that's going the, ex- the exact opposite way for you. Yeah. People are leaving California for states like Texas and Florida, which... 
What do you know? Run by Republicans. Yeah, I mean, poll after poll in New York, citizen like happiness rankings. This is this has been something that's like a long run. Like there for a while, we've seen New Yorkers want to leave, voicing their concerns with the you know the state politics, the the safety, all of these kind of factors that are you know causing businesses to leave, causing individuals to leave, especially at a time where now there's more and more people who have the ability to work wherever they want to. These types of statements from politicians like this are just, I mean, super damaging when it comes to just day-to-day personal interactions. Like, it's it's not fun for anyone to kind of have this tribalism. Um, but from an economic standpoint and where, you know, where things are going to go, it's, it's going to be d- devastating for someone who's trying to run a, sta- run a state that depends on, you know, their crazy high taxes and all this stuff. So when you look at all the way around, I mean, I... I genuinely don't understand why someone on the ballot in November would would take this would take this tact. It's a terrible message, right? Like you can't call half your voters idiots and think think that you're going to win. Now New York it's a solidly blue state, but this is an off election year, which means New York is a low propensity voting state anyways. I mean, you're lucky if we're cracking 20% during the vote here of, you know, eligible voters actually showing up in New York. Uh, you look at a state like Wisconsin. I mean, they're they're generally trending around eighty percent when it comes to voter participation and turnout. So for Democrats, like it's a small hill to climb to win the state. But Kathy Hochul, like insulting Republicans, doesn't help because if Democrats stay home in New York, because it is a low propensity turnout state, especially in a midterm. You're not helping yourself. And I'm not saying all of a sudden this comment makes New York incredibly competitive against Kathy Hochul, but it's not going to help her. It's not going to help Charlie Kristen. It's not going to help Joe Biden. Joe Biden ran on a platform of being a unifier. Democrats want to walk around, pretend they're better than Republicans. And they're not. You can't you can't insult people and think that you're going to win them over to your side. No, and Kathy Ogle is someone who is only governor because of her resignation. Like, she's not... Yeah, she's an accidental governor. She hasn't earned where she's at. The last time she was on the ballot herself and not as a member of a ticket, she notably lost one of a high-profile congressional race in the Buffalo area. So Yeah, because she has no base of support in the state. You and I have talked about this offline before. Yep. Hochul doesn't have an area that she comes from. Like, if you remember the first lieutenant governor under Cuomo, it was Bob Duffy. Yep. Bob Duffy is from Rochester. He was also former chief of police. He was like well-known in the Rochester community. It was very clear that Bob Duffy had a center of support and it was Monroe County, Rochester region. Uh, Kathy doesn't have that and lost that race and then became the lieutenant governor because honestly, like to be fair, like I don't know the specific dynamics between Bob Duffy and Andrew Cuomo, but Bob Duffy is a very affable guy. He's very likable and not in the, creepy I kiss everyone because I'm Italian Andrew Cuomo thing that he thinks is affable. Like Bob Duffy was very likable. And I think that that kind of strong personality with strong personality didn't necessarily work. So Hochul like lost her race. She got to buy some time. She represented outside of the Manhattan area, which is really all you need if you're going to be running in New York is you just got to get into the rest of the state and out of the boroughs. Um, to show that you're like diversifying your ticket, but yep. she's just lucky to be governor. She didn't, she didn't earn that spot to your point. And so insulting other, like insulting New Yorkers, not a good strategy, Yeah, especially when the rest of the state is Republican and there is a lot of Republican votes to be had in New York. And if I'm 
if I'm running in New York, if I'm running a race in New York, I'm going to take what Hochul said and make that a TV ad. You pair that with crime and the economy and taxes in New York and her insulting half the state, that's not leadership. So you got to like use what they're saying against them and highlight it to be like, hey, look, she doesn't like half of New Yorkers because we don't agree. That's not what New York represents. Yep. Yeah. And there's plenty of small business owners throughout the state and especially right in, you know, her backyard. There's also a lot of people. The funny thing about New York is like a lot of the like when you talk about the big money kind of donors in the New York City area, a lot of them donate to both Republicans and Democrats. Like mm -hmm. there was there was kind of, you know, an, the old um, a long time ago, like people were making fun of when Chris Christie was running for president and Cuomo was talking about, you know, where like they didn't really shoot back at each other too much. Cause everybody joked that they have the same, all the same donors from Goldman Sachs and all the, mm -hmm. you know, your, your big hedge fund folks. So when you kind of have like, when you see a governor truly like have this short sighted opinion, it shows, it just genuinely shows a lack of understanding of where your state is because it's not a purple state. It's certainly a deep blue state, but yeah. it, you know, when you talk about people who have an outsized influence, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of very moderate on the like on the nose kind of right. I mean, you look between. at you look at Hochul and right like she'll survive, but Chris won't. Charlie Chris isn't going to win in Florida on a message where he's where he's targeting people who voted for Ron DeSantis when Ron DeSantis won. Yep, you're alienating voters. And Joe Biden, he has he can never claim. And here's the fact checkers, right? No fact checker is going to go out there and say like, oh, pants on fire. Joe Biden said he'd be the great unifier, and he's not. Cause he's not. And I actually have to say this, like Republicans who helped Joe Biden pass any of the legislation this year, you emboldened this behavior from the president. Yep. I don't care if it was the infrastructure bill, the gun bill, the chips bill. Well, I think those were the three big ones. Yeah. Um, any of those if, like voting to do that emboldens the president. And now He's going to continue to lambast you and everything you stand for. That doesn't make any sense. Like politics is as much a game. It, it, it you like, you gotta be on your toes and paying attention to how your votes are going to matter because as one-offs, none of these bills really matter. But in collection, when you look at what Democrats have done just through reconciliation with Republican, with just Democrat votes alone, you've empowered this kind of behavior from a president who then turns around and, and, tells Republicans we're all terrible people. Yeah, and they delivered in, in the nick of time so that they, Democrats can kind of be like, well, we won't know. Like, the the jury will still be out on whether any of their legislation has any even close to any impact as the yeah. way they say it will, but we won't know until long after the election, and then they get to Well, it's the same of, thing about student loan forgiveness, yep. right? Like, people are like, well, will this be a motivating factor? I'm like, probably not. Want to know why? Because nobody's going to have their student loans forgiven between now and November. Yeah, they'll there will likely be legal challenges. It was very clear he does not have the authority to do this. Money comes from Congress, not from the president, just waving a wand. So, like, yeah. no, I don't think this will be. We'll see if they even get the website up. Like, right, and like, oh, like I think abortion would be more of a term of a thing in the midterms because states are already changing right to life laws. Right, like protecting the unborn, things like that. Like that is already starting to have an effect on people yep. in a way that this student loan, ill-forgotten idea that Joe Biden has decided to make other taxpayers pay. Actually, uh, Derek Van Orden, who's running in Wisconsin's third, which is a seat we should definitely win. It's the Western part of the state. It's Southwest Wisconsin. It's like, 
I don't know what the new lines look like, but it's usually like Eau Claire South, right? You hit that, that corner. I think it's the third. Is it the third or the 12th? Um, he, uh, he had a great graphic up on TV, or not on TV, on social media that has pie chart. 9% of Wisconsin third congressional districts are graduates degrees, have graduate degrees, right? 91% of the constituents in that district do not have that kind of degree where there would be a student loan affiliated with great graphic that shows what that pie chart looks like to be like, yeah, and 91% of you are going to have to pay for that 9%. Yeah. It's a great message. It's a great yeah. way to push back on that. And since we still don't know how much it costs, I mean, again, people, I think a lot of people are still talking about the $10,000 number as the, the more notable figure from this, but there's, we still have genuinely no idea what the fiscal impact of well, they the other provisions are going to entail. That's my favorite. They're like, well, it depends on how many people use it. That's the White House answer. We don't know what it's going to cost because we don't know how many people are going to use it. I don't know. Why don't you just take a guess with the entire pool of people that could do this and just take the high number on that and say it could cost up to, you know why they don't want to do that? Because it's going to be bonkers. Yeah. Like half a billion, a trillion dollars. I mean, like astronomical amounts of money when the country's raging with inflation. Yeah. And we know, we know a lot of Americans fear paperwork more than anything. So there are certainly going to be a few people who just like miss the deadline on this or don't like can't totally figure it out, but it is not going to be when you, when you talk about the public outcry on a matter like this, like chances are pretty much everyone who is eligible is going to figure it out because they and I, I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, if most of the federal lenders sort of just automatically, if if they reach a deal with the government basically to like just make him disappear. Like, But you can't make it disappear because here's the thing, that money has already been loaned and spent. These are people having to pay back money they've already taken. It's not like you signed a loan. So like, there is really no way for them to just like zero balance out their sheets unless the government's going to give them money. And as we've seen, like with cars, right? When, when the federal government stepped in and said, we're going to provide a $7,500 tax credit on EVs, you saw the price of, ta- of, the, the price of EVs jump $7,000 overnight. Yeah. If they think that this won't cause higher education to jump by ten dollars or $20,000, they are smoking the devil's lettuce. Yeah, no, yeah, on, on the school side for sure. I, I, I would just be curious to see like how much pressure these... Uh, if I was a student loan lender, I would not, I would not be playing with the government right now. I'd be like, you send me your check when it's ready. I got, they got no reason to negotiate with the federal government on this. Yeah. The federal government has no power in this instance at all. It's all make-believe. The emperor has no clothes. Yeah. It's well, going to be weird. Well, let me tell you this. I don't think the student loan stuff's actually going to happen in the long run. I don't think student loans up to $10,000 get forgiven. There's just, there's just no way that he has the legal authority to do it. Yeah. And so I think that it, it probably won't happen. And it's, I just don't think it would either have an effect on midterms. Anyways, let's go to our next topic. What do we got next? Yeah, so some uh, weird news this weekend. Uh, Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson was shot in a attempted carjacking. He was shot twice in the leg uh, on 8th Street, I think 8th and uh, North Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a very, very popular kind of area. Right after uh, he sat out a preseason game, uh, really I mean, kind of disturbing story all the way around. The Washington is a team that has kind of been ravaged uh, historically by uh, violence to some of their players. Sean Taylor, the the uh, Hall of Fame caliber safety, who was lost in a 
uh, armed robbery in uh, his Florida home, but just really genuinely awful kind of news. As someone who had uh, close to seizing a starting role, um, you know, this close to the season, just uh, really sad and, and kind of, again, an encapsulation of how, how dangerous it is out there, um, you know, in, the, in these larger cities like D.C. and New York we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, this is this is a, say, pro athlete with, you know, who had, had just signed a contract um, out out and about like any anyone else would be doing running errands on a Sunday. And uh, yeah, midday shot twice. Yeah. Thankfully, not life threatening injuries. Uh, but this speaks to the huge crime problem in D.C. and in major cities across the country, to your point. I mean, this guy was literally the middle of the day on a Sunday and was shot because people were trying to steal his vehicle from him. I was seeing a bunch of videos of guys on like the little moped style motorcycle, like yeah. a smaller motorcycle on the sidewalks in New York city. And I tell you this much, if I ever see a motorcycle on a sidewalk, you better believe I'm actually going to move more toward the street than I am toward the wall. Because if you move toward the wall, you're going to get yourself pinned in, but they will do it to like grab and run. If they can like grab your bag, they can grab you, they can grab whatever they want and they can drive away. And they're like, police are hamstrung right now. They're certainly not supported by the upper echelons of their elected leadership. Certainly if you look at Muriel Bowser, um, I think mayor Eric Adams has done a huge disservice to the police in New York city as well. Uh, and now the, the thankfully, uh, the commander's player is okay, but this just, it is like, unless somebody famous is getting injured every day, it's not getting reported that these crimes are happening all of the time in DC. Yep. I don't feel safe in DC. I don't, I won't walk anywhere. i like on Capitol Hill. I, you know, nine years ago when I moved to DC, you better believe nine and a half years ago, I was walking around. I, I would go out and have drinks and then like walk back up to the Capitol to get like a cab or an Uber from there. Because I knew if I was like on campus, I was definitely safer than off campus. Um, I wouldn't do any of that now. Yeah. Like you mean, can't be inebriated at all in DC because even if you're not, you're probably like, like you could easily get attacked and it's, this is what happens when anti-police rhetoric infiltrates communities and cities. Not only is there an increased distrust in law enforcement and sometimes rightfully so. Yeah. So like law for the most part, law enforcement are incredible upstanding citizens who work every day to protect and serve their community. But sometimes there aren't and they need to be held accountable and they should be, and they will be. But because of that dangerous left-wing radical rhetoric, you see an undermining confidence of the police and you see increased acts of violence. If the two things don't correlate, like correlation in this place, causation. Like you can't tell me that what we saw in the summer of 2020 is not being played out in the streets of this country every single day. It is. Yeah. This is an exact, this is exactly what the Democrats wanted. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It is less safe in America now. And it's because of Democrats. Yeah. We, uh, we saw last week there was a shooting in Chinatown at 8 15 PM in an area uh, right near the Metro station where people are going to the arena. People are going to the movie theaters there. I mean, this is, it is, it is, there is no neighborhood where that's off limits at this point. Um, in, in, in all of these cities, this is, this is not a trend of just, you know, you're not going to see it. It's, it's right in front of you. So these, these things I think are, uh, are super concerning. 
Well, uh, Brian Robinson, hopefully will be a okay. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is a wake up call for some of these cities. Cause it can't be this dangerous anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. Next Joe Biden, good old Joe has picked a Hunter laptop denier for a presidential intelligence board. Uh, can't make this up. So after the Hunter Biden laptop leak or story, um, obviously Facebook has been very clear. They suppressed the story. Twitter very clearly suppressed the story. Uh, a lot of major outlets didn't believe and didn't share and, and suppressed the story as well. I think I saw polling that said um, about 18% of Democrats who voted for Joe Biden would have voted differently if they had known about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And when it came out, over 50 members of the quote-unquote intelligence community said that this looks like Russian disinformation, so we shouldn't believe it. And they were wrong. There have been no retractions, no apologies, no acknowledgement that, in fact, they lied to the American people. Um, but now one of these geniuses is going to help on the presidential intelligence board because you know what we need? More people who will cover for Hunter Biden in the federal government. More of that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is super frustrating because you saw the White House kind of take the flack that they took for appointing, you know, someone also involved with peddling the story for their their failed DHS mis misinformation board that they sort of came yeah, up with and then disbanded go. very quietly uh, officially last week. So, I mean, these these matters again. Yeah, it's it just feels like a broken headline because I feel like I read that I feel like the, it's just deja vu because everybody was on the same side on this. There there was not really any like nobody came out from anywhere close to this kind of intelligence. You know the the Democrat Homeland Security Intelligence like there's sort of a partisan. None of the people the the contributors there was this was a targeted attack basically on on the news and they're continuing to keep it up and they're all these people are going to go continue to get jobs and we're just going to pretend it didn't happen right yeah if, if you're wrong on the left you can succeed if you're considered a conspiracy theorist on the right you're dead in the water yep. especially if you want to have like a very forward-facing public conversation but also i think one of the big points with this joe biden hunter laptop intelligence board story is that there is already a level of distrust that has been earned by the CIA and the FBI. And you are going to double down on that kind of behavior by continuing to bring people from the intelligence community further into the folds of the federal government, especially closer to the, you know, the president, uh, and think that we can trust what, what, what is being said and, this is something that, that doesn't get said enough, but it's true, is that it is not our job as American citizens to not question our government. In fact, it is implored upon us to question our government and the agencies of our government and what our government is doing to serve and protect us. But now if you stand up and you say, that guy shouldn't be on an intelligence board because he's not a good member of the intelligence community. He lied to the American people. Conspiracy theorist. If you say the CIA and the FBI should be questioned about, and the DOJ about what happened at Mar-a-Lago and they should, there should be questions and answers because the American people deserve to know what is going on. Conspiracy theorist. It doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist to say, 
I've got questions and the government should answer it. Because you know what? That's Congress, people. Literally, we have an entire institution in one of the three branches of government that their job is partially oversight of the other branches of government. And now if you stand up and you say, that's a fair question to ask and the FBI should be questioned on it, you're a tinfoil hat wearing lunatic who thinks that the aliens are about to abduct you. Yeah. Not true. You yeah. should question the government. You should. And you shouldn't be ashamed to do so, which is why I continue to say this guy shouldn't be there. And why does the president need an intelligence board in the first place? Don't you have the CIA and the FBI? You have investigatory agencies already. Why do you need a board about the? It is okay to question the government. And it is okay to tell them they're not doing the right thing. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where I like take the Hunter Biden story completely out of this. Like, do we really need to continue to bring all these, the the TV sort of pundits, this this class of people who are former, like it happens a lot in the judicial circles too. There's a lot of like former prosecutors who were, you know, have TV contracts and, and such and such. But like the the kind of the revolving door between, you know, the the TV, the the media, and then these like I we just don't need it. There's there's plenty of people I'm sure who are very qualified to give very targeted and, and useful intelligence help to our government. I, there's, there just have to be better people than the people who are, have made themselves political and engineered into a process to try to change public opinion on TV. Yeah. Like it's just totally, I agree. All right. What do we got next? Uh, so this is really a weird kind of nerdy in the weeds, uh, story, but the New York times put out a really interesting, um, Really interesting article about uh, kind of uh, underground mining. So we. What is going on over here? Nobody can see because we don't have cameras. But Christian, out of the corner of my eyes, it's just viciously scrolling. Okay, so this article is crazy long and I was at the very bottom of it. And I want to pull up the article name. Uh, Secret data, tiny islands and a quest for treasure on the ocean floor. Um, you brought us this NASA story, and now you're bringing us a story about pirates. I think it's Let's so. Go. There's just a lot. Well, no, deep sea I mean, pirates. Yeah, I mean, sort of le legalized pirates. So essentially, what is? Uh, I mean, it's not really your stuff, though. Can it be legalized pirates? It's not like that. It's not like you dropped that bag of gold coins in the bottom of the old ocean. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway, there. <laughs> I've really thrown Christian for a loop on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he didn't expect me to push back so hard on the, whether or not these are legal pirates. Anyway. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's difficult, but so th the gist of the story is essentially we have all this demand for all these rare earth metals uh, for the electric cars. That's been kind of a major issue. We've talked about it and um, all the legislation and the tax credits for the chips and all this stuff. Um, and so turns out 50% of the underwater, uh, area in in the in the world is controlled by this small agency out of Jamaica, basically on a ten million dollar shoestring budget. It's about like a hundred people max that work and have massive, massive, massive jurisdiction over all of this, the mining. Super long read, but really, really interesting. And essentially, one company has been promised uh, the ability to uh, dig and 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 mine uh, areas underground for a profit of about $31 billion. And they're doing it in the name of these two tiny countries, Nauru and Tonga, um, where they're basically like, it kind of just shows how 
we know so very little of what's under the sea and the massive, massive under potential. Under the sea. Yep. You, couldn't, you couldn't say that and think that we weren't going to sing Little yeah. Mermaid. Yeah, it was, a lay- just, it was a layup. I didn't um, know what you thought was going to happen. But yeah. <laughs> but um, classic. Like, this is just one of those things where it's a million things. Like, you have a potentially corrupt multinational, multinational organization. There's some questions with uh, the International Seabed Agency, is what it's called, authority, International Seabed Authority. This small organization, they've got some questions about their CEO and how he spends I've his money. I've got a lot of questions about But this. The, basically, yeah, a company's going to basically. It sounds like Scientology. Sort of. I uh, feel like they're going to be like, and the Sea Org comes in. And gives all of the stuff to Tom Cruise. Yeah. But and that's how he never ages. <sighs> yeah. He so does all the not shit age, they, that they, is... they find at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. But anyway, a, a company, a company is going to profit $31 billion from the ocean floor. And there's a lot of questions about how they got the ability to do that. And legally, like it's, you know, the under what's how under international that... waters. It's it. I just don't know how you claim like any level of sovereignty over that. There is an old, stand-up comedy bit from the late 1990s called Eddie Izzard. He's the comedian and the, the bit's called Dress to Kill. If you've never seen it, watch it. It is absolutely hilarious. But he like goes through history and at one point he's like, oh, what a beautiful country we've landed on. Well, this is us. And they plant a flag and the guy's like, you can't do that. This is our country. Okay, just put up a flag. He's like, well, do you have a flag? And he's like, well, no. He's like, well, no flag, no country. Those are the rules. And that's how this feels. It's like, oh, Oh, you didn't claim the bottom of the ocean, so uh, my bottom of the ocean. No flag, no country. Those are the rules. I get to dig around here. It's like people swimming to the bottom. Like, like actually, it's like Jimmy Hoffa in some lead shoes, like, sinking to the bottom with a flag. So that it's like, mm, you know, the mafia got the ground first, so now it belongs to, you know, whoever the flag was holding as it, like, sunk to the bottom. I just don't know how you, like... yeah claim they had they had basically planned to like give nobody the- was paying attention and now there is an entire industry global industry of just stealing shit off the floor of the ocean yeah so the 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 un basically in the 70s planned on sort of allowing these small tiny underdeveloped nations to benefit from whatever we found in international waters and you can make a claim under these small tiny nations and that's what a company did and they'll profit $31 billion. I'm sure a whole bunch of people will get paid out of this deal and we'll plunder the out. And there's an environmental <laughs> plunder. There's a, see, you said there weren't pirates involved. That No, I said there. That's why I said it was. It's basically <laughs> I am, am pro pirates. Um, yeah, it's basically legalized uh, piracy, but it's, it's Johnny. It's going to be super act. interesting and it, it could be potentially dangerous. I mean, we talk about, you know, environmental concerns. We don't genuinely. This is I don't generally talk about those. This is, yeah, but I mean, everybody wants, everybody wants like clean. There's a lot of concerns with our oceans and all the trash. Yes, and all that I, stuff. I was kidding. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's no bad. straws and sea turtle noses. I think that's pretty agreed upon. Yeah, although here's the problem paper straws are terrible. Can we, I hate paper straws. We gotta, we gotta do better. I mean, listen, I'm not gonna start carrying my own straws. No, that's also difficult, but you I don't know. have the pockets for it. <laughs> you gotta, you, you carry a purse with just one straw yeah, in that it, would be... just a metal straw. You're like, Oh, don't need one. McDonald's brought my own. Yeah. That would be all because of these tiny countries plundering the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. This is, it's a really long article. I, it's, I think it's super interesting to read though, super because it sort of, it brings in all the, the aspects and has a lot to do with what we're dealing with in politics anyway. Cause again, electric cars that the government has basically funded or will fund are going to come like a lot of the materials will come from this 
if you if you look at the productions, it'll come from this stuff. So man. Well, uh, we will save mailbag for later this week. And in other things that might get cut from the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyways, Britney Spears has released a 22-minute audio of her talking about what happened to her during her conservatorship. She posted it, and it was immediately deleted. Um, yeah. So listen, she does talk about the new song with Elton John and that she's very excited about it. So I will let go of my grievance with the song. Okay. And... I will be fine to stream it moving forward. I thought How, the song would be different. Yeah. It, it, there's this weird like EDM techno reworking of songs yeah. craze that's Stop going on. You saw it with like the Tina Turner song. You've seen it with a few others, but this is kind of that vein. The song's the song's good. Like, listen, don't get me wrong. Um, but the fact that like Britney's Instagram is deleted again, she posted this and it got deleted. Um, still leaves me with major concerns about how much freedom Britney actually has. Um, you can, you can Google it. You can Google like Britney Spears 22 minutes and the full audio will be up there. Now you can tell she takes cuts and breaks, which also makes me wonder what this was and when it was recorded. And she talks about how she's been given interview opportunities and she hasn't accepted them because she doesn't want to be paid to tell her story. She just wants to help other people, which I think is huge. Um, and I don't care if she got paid for her story or not. Like, girl, you make your money. I'm here for it. Like, you should make every dime back that your father stole from you, or you should be able to get that, that you, like, had to pay your father for all the no nonsense. But my concerns remain that Britney is still being controlled in some way or some fashion. Um, I will let go of my grievance of the song. I still don't think it's, like, the way she would have wanted to do this, but I also think that's indicative of what's going on. Yep. So I remain team-free Britney from now until forever. And as we wrap up today's podcast, make sure you send us your stories to mailbag at tagstrategies.co. I remembered it. Ma mailbag at tagstrategies. We'll do mailbag later this week. Rate, review, subscribe. Join us again later this week for another episode of the Tagline Podcast brought to you by Tag Strategies. Go get them. Goodbye. Go Bills. <laughs>